Hello and welcome back, high school hockey fans. Another edition of This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey. For the first time in a while, we've got a full panel tonight, both Bill and Bill Jr., Trasher, and Del Scanlon, who was uh, off sick last week, is back with us. And uh, we'll be hearing from everybody during this segment, this uh, program tonight. Let's start with our games of the week last week we had here on WIPH. Boys game of the week, Wapaka was at Northland Pines in a great Northern Conference battle, and Bill Jr. was there. Does anybody else feel like MJ just implied that we're a couple cards short of a full deck most of the time? Well, was, is he wrong? <laughs> Not necessarily. Depends on the subject. Yes, I was in Northland Pines with my lovely assistant photographer, Burglar, uh, for the, <laughs> the last game of the Great Northern Conference regular season. Uh, we've been pushing for it for a couple of years, and I know Anago coach Matt Borderman has been pushing for it for a couple of years, but uh, this year the Great Northern Conference has adopted the, what's that other conference? The Badgerland Bad- Conference's Badgerland. Uh, format of playing each other once and then playing a conference tournament to end the season. Um, all the conference seeds were set before uh, that Friday night battle. Um but the the final the top seed Northland Pines and Wapaka were both six and zero in conference play heading into that game, uh, so we figured we'd make the trek up to Eagle River, uh, pick up Brett along the way, and, and see what happened. Um, it looked good coming out the gate. Um, Wapaka picked off a, a errant breakout pass in the in the pine zone, a nice pass to the front of the net to Mitchell Tresbyatowski, and he put it in to give Wapaka a one nothing lead, just 33 seconds into the game, and we're all right, we got a good one. Um, but that's about where it turned for Wapaka. Uh, the game ended up, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, ended up being 11-2 uh, in favor of the Eagles. Um, they really turned it on. Jack Rohde, um, senior captain for the Eagles, has scored three of their first four goals. I believe he scored full, four in the game total. Pines was just too fast for Wapaka, and it looks like going into the Great Northern Conference Tournament that Pines is going to be a force to reckon with. Uh, for all those other um, small schools in the Great Northern Conference. Uh, it was a good game. Neither team got chippy, uh, which was nice to see. We've all been to more than a few running time games in our days where uh, the losing team starts getting chippy and things get bad. That never happened. There was never a sign out of Wapaka that they were they were getting that direction. They do have some, some nice players on their team, but they just could not keep up with the speed of Pines. Pines was extremely fast, and every time there was two uh, Wapaka Comets in the corner going for a puck, there were three skaters from Pines. If there was two Comets in front of the net, there was three for Pines. They just swarmed all over the ice and were too much for the Comets to keep up with. Uh, just too many wide-open players in front of the net. Uh, Wapaka goalie really didn't have much of a chance in this game. Uh, but that sets the seeding for the Great Northern Conference Tournament with the Pines at number one, uh, Wapaka at number two. Um, and that tournament will kick off on uh, Thursday, January 24th, and it will end on Saturday, February 2nd. And I believe Burger and I decided we will be in Anago uh, for the final day of the Great Northern Conference Tournament. So Northland Pines is a team that's been in our top ten. Uh, pretty good team, I take it, that uh, you got to see. Yeah, they are. The, yeah. I mean, we, we did have our first uh, adventure in officiating um, where uh, Pine's defenseman uh, put a Wapaka player on his back and referee immediately threw up his arm and blew the whistle, um, then had to think about 
and talk to the other referee and the linesman to determine, well, what, what, what exactly did the guy do wrong? Um, cause he didn't really cross check and he didn't really do this. And it was, and they finally, they made no signal when blowing the whistle initially. Cause I was watching to see what the heck they were going to call and they did make no signal. But when they announced it over the PA system, they announced that it was a penalty, a penalty for head contact. Um, it happened right in front of us, and I just fortunate enough that I pushed a little uh, shutter release button on my camera at the time and got a nice picture of the Pines defenseman's shoulder in the chest of the Wapaka player. Um, no contact to any head of any kind, but um, yeah, I think I think the official, I mean, unofficially. Uh, he got a penalty for checking that guy too hard. Yeah, it was actually um, a clean, beautiful check. Um, but the game was starting to get out of hand at that point. And I think that that ref was just preemptively trying to keep things in line to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but that was... Yeah, it, Burglar got a picture of it. It is shoulder to chest, no head contact. Uh, he didn't leave his feet, no cross check, no elbow, no nothing. Uh, the player's head was, he was trying to make a mover on the defenseman and didn't make it. Um, it was not a defensive player, defenseless player. It was, it was nothing. Um, but it could just be preemptive, keep the game in line before anything gets out of hand. But like I said, Wapaka never got, to their credit, they never got chippy or any of that stuff that we all see dumb high school kids do when they get behind in a game. Well, they call head contact, and obviously, as you say, he didn't touch his head. Well, then why call head contact? Could you could you just call roughing or interference or you know, something it, to that effect? Well, it, it wasn't interference. I mean, the guy had the puck. <laughs> yeah, okay. it'd be, it'd be, you'd be hard-pressed to call roughing or interference. So if you were going to get together and call something, I mean, you're limited to elbowing, cross-checking, or head contact, uh, which all revolve around the position of the check. Um, so at that point, it's just kind of a roll, to the, roll the dice and pick one. Um, yeah, because the only thing that, that contacted the ice was the back of his head when he went down. Um, he didn't hit it that hard. But that's happened. Uh, but that happens a few times during the season where the ref sees a big hit and it's like, oh, I got to call something. Well, what do you call? Yeah, you, you know, you know where that happens a lot. And I think Trasher and Dell will back me up on this. Where that happens a lot is in girls' games where it's it, it's referees who normally uh, ref the boys' games and they're they're doing a girls' game and they see uh, two girls run into each other and one of them falls down, so they have to call a penalty on the one who's still standing. Call um, a body check. Yeah, even though they, they just ran into each other. Um, you see a lot of that. You know, when you when you think about that in girls – where is the line drawn between um, coincidental contact and body check? Usually it's the position of the player. Like if you dip your shoulder or, you know, turn your hip, you know, something to, you know, direct to direct your force at a certain to a certain point on the opposition. If you just, you know, face-to-face, flat-out running into each other, then that's just, you know, incidental contact. But when one of, the per- one of the players, you know, actually bends or moves to direct all of their force at one, at one point, 
then that's usually when you consider it to be a body check. Even like going along the boards and positioning well, to get the puck? Well, you, 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 you is, can rub them all along the boards. You know, it, it depends on your referee, too. If you got referees that are are used to having done a lot of girls games and everything. And, you know, they're used to say, saying, cause coaching girls hockey, you tell them we play physical hockey, you know, but we, you know, we don't check. We don't, we don't bring our, sh- drop our shoulder and bring them into the boards. You can ride them into the boards, just like you teach them in, like when you're teaching your peewees and your squirts, you sit there, you tell them, okay, you pinch into the boards, you pin their stick against the boards. And it's the same thing you're telling the girls. It's, you know, and it, it depends on your referee. If your referee's doing a lot, has done a lot of girls' games, I mean, the game I saw this weekend, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I don't think I had had one checking call in and, and everything. It, it a lot of it's going to boil down onto your referees and what they're used to officiating. Yeah, and like if if you're playing defense and someone's coming in on you and they try to go in that gap between you and the boards, you're not duty-bound to let them go through that gap just because there's no checking. You are allowed to move into that space. Um, you don't Just because there's no checking doesn't mean they have free reign to skate around you. You can close that gap between you and the boards. You just can't drive your shoulder into the other player. Cut right, them even, or if they're coming down on you one-on-one and try to you know poke the puck between your legs and get out, you can step in front of them so they run into you. You just can't drop your shoulder. Okay. But that's enough of that sidetrack. Let's move on to Dell's game. Yes, Dell, you got the girls' game of the week. Fox Cities. Boy, they've been tough all year, and they were at on Alaska. Yep, the Stars against the Hilltoppers, and this game started out in a flurry. We had three goals in the first 53 seconds of the game. On Alaska jumped out to a lead 21 seconds in, uh, but it was short-lived as 16 seconds later, Fox Cities tied the game. And then, like I said, 53 seconds in, they were up by one to take the two-to-one lead and never relinquish it from there on. They built the lead up uh, to three-to-one at the end of one. Second period basically had the same thing. Both both teams scored, but Fox Cities outscored on Alaska three to one in that second period to go up six to two at the end of two and then outscored on Alaska again in the third period two to one to win the game eight to three. But the impressive part of this team from Fox City Stars was the Jablonski, Horman, and Hull show. They those three girls were there and are probably three of the best players you're going to find on one line throughout the state. Uh, Jablonski and Horman are 1-2 uh, in the state in both goals and points. And they're just very a very impressive team. Uh, Trasher, I think you've gotten to see Fox City Stars this year. And uh, I like I said, they're, they're an impressive team. There's a total of three penalties called in this game. And overall, it was a good game. Uh, but it was just too much speed and pressure being put on the on Alaska goalie. I believe the final shots in the game were like 37 to nine. Um, that uh, on Alaska got outshot by. 
that's a big gap, 37 to nine. Yep, and out of those nine nine shots, you figure Onalaska scored three goals. And, you know, so it's, you know, one of those, is it, one of the things that with Fox City Stars is their offense is what's going to depend on what's going to carry them through this, through the tournament to try to make it to state. And they're, they're not, and they're in a, a rough conference uh, sectional too. I, I believe the Fox City Stars are in sectional two with the storm, if I'm correct. I haven't looked. I didn't look that up, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're going to have a tough sectional in, in order to make it to state. Was it one of those things, Dell, where their best defense is they got a strong offense? That That is true. Their best defense is their strong off, offense. Offense wins games. And, and you, you, the first goal that was scored on the Stars – was was a beautiful goal. Uh, Bronston brought it in to the goalie's left hand side, coming coming in at her, and goalie dropped and she went top shelf and just put that thing just behind the crossbar for the goal. You know, so I mean, it, it was a beautiful shot to get that go- goal in the 21 seconds. But you know, th- the thing is, is their team does an excellent job at hustling back on defense to limit their shots on their goalie. And that's what one of the things they're going to have to do. Up, you know, if you sit there and you tell any coach that you, you know, your team limited them to less than double digits shots on goal, you know, your your coach is going to be happy. Um, Dell, I I looking this up now. The uh, Fox City Stars play in sectional four. Oh, in sectional uh, four. This year, well, that's. I, the, the, nothing on the WIAA site says Fox City Stars, but there's a team listed. Let's see. Xavier, Appleton East, Northwest, Fox Valley, Lutheran, Freedom, Hortonville, Kakana, Kimberly, Little Shoot, Menasha, Nina, New London, St. Mary's Catholic, Two Rivers, and Wrightstown. And that Fox is our City Fox Stars? City Stars. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said Nina, I knew where we're at. <laughs> wow. That's a but, co-op. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, very impressive team, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see the see who comes out of that conference. I, I did get to talk to the coaches a little bit before the game and uh, talk talk to them. And said, so did you guys play, ask them if they played last night? Well, of course, the night before was their overtime game that they played against USM, and of course, that was a game that you know, talking to to the coaches, uh, they were down four to two. Came back and took a five to four lead, and with less than a minute to go in regulation, game got tied up, and Jablonski scored the game winner in overtime in that one. So you know, probably a little, little bit of tired legs, you know, playing that one at home, and then coming on over to on Alaska for four o'clock in the afternoon game on uh, Saturday. But all in all, you know, they come up with two two nice wins over the two days, and you know they came out saying they were. Very impressed with the USM too. So you know that that's another one of the teams that are, have been in our top ten all all season long. So, so sounds like we have some some good teams up there in the top ten, 10 this year. We'll see where the top ten falls a little bit later on in the show. We'll find out on the girls' side to see how much bouncing around there was. 
And also on the boys' side, that's coming up in a little bit. Uh, other game recaps, I guess uh, I, the only other game I talk about is the Beloit Janesville won the good old Highway 51 battle down here in Rock County. And Janesville won that game 3 nothing. Uh Ben Coulter and Connor Joyce combined on all three goals. That's uh, top line along with Tyler Edwards. They scored two in the first period. Out shooting Beloit 12-1. to Beloit's first shot on goal came in the final seconds of the first period on basically just a dump into the zone, and it went in on net, and save had to be made. Second period, just more. 19-3 to the shots were. But Aiden Wright, this, this young man is only a sophomore for Beloit, but he put on a show. He was he kept them in the game all, all by himself. Uh, 19-3 to the shots were in the second period, and Janesville couldn't score until under a minute to go in the second to make it 3 nothing, and they outshoot Beloit 11-6 to in the last period, and they end up winning the game 3 nothing. Aiden Wright for Beloit, 40 saves in that game on 43 shots. A phenomenal effort for him. Um, Up-and-coming goaltender. Um, I know my son played with him on one of those before-and-after teams, and even when he was younger, um, you could see he was pr- pretty good goaltender. And as he's hit high school now, he's gotten a little bit bigger, and uh, he's uh, done a pretty good job. He's their only goaltender, so he's going to get plenty of work. And he got plenty of work against Janesville. But Janesville was able to hold Beloit scoreless, and the final score was 3 nothing of that game back on Thursday night. Our player of the week, girls and boys, burglar, tell us about him. Thanks, MJ. On the girls' side, she was mentioned earlier during Dell's recap of our girls' game of the week. Lauren Hull of the Fox City Stars. In a 6-5 win over the University School Co-op, she had a goal and two assists. And in the 8-3 win over on Alaska that Dell recapped for, she had two goals and three assists. So Lauren Hull, with three goals and five assists over the two games, is our Girls Player of the Week. On the boys' side, uh, we talked about him before uh, we went on the air here. Hailing from Madison West, Drake Baldwin, a senior forward. He had a goal in a 4-2 loss to Middleton. He had two goals in a 3-1 win over Madison Memorial. And a whopping four goals and three assists in a 7-3 win over Madison Edgewood. So he had a hand in all of Madison West's scoring in that win over Madison Edgewood. So total of seven goals and three assists in the three games for Drake Baldwin, the senior catcher for Madison West. Senior catcher? Yeah. During baseball season. Yes, yes. He's a forward. And I need to break in with some breaking news. (laughs) The Central Wisconsin Storm just beat the Eau Claire Area Stars 2-0. So, our new girls' top ten is already invalid. Just wanted to let you know. as you were well speaking of top tens <laughs> we were just getting to that and uh junior that's what you talk about is the top 10 but i already and, talked uh, this week mj 
Well, <laughs> you already you already wrecked the girls' top ten already with that uh, breaking news. But uh, let's go ahead and go through it anyways. And I guess we can already say on Monday night there may be some changes on the girls' side next week. But go ahead. What do you got for top ten boys and girls? Sure. The University School of Milwaukee is still holding strong at number one for the boys. Uh, Verona is up one to second. Superior is up two to third. Wasa West falls from second to fourth. Uh, that's what happens when you lose to a non-ranked team. Uh, Sun Prairie drops from fourth to fifth. Northland Pines is sixth. Onalaska is seventh. Spash is eighth. Nina Hortonville Manasha is ninth, and Hudson is tenth. Honorable mention for the boys are Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire Memorial, Eau Claire North, Notre Dame Academy, and Waukesha. Uh, for the girls, the top two are the same. Fox City Stars are number one. Eau Claire Area Stars are number two. The Warbird Beaver Dam Co-op is now third. Central Wisconsin Storm dropped to fourth. Western Wisconsin Stars are fifth. Hudson is sixth. St. Croix Valley Fusion are seventh. USM is eighth. The Rock County Fury are ninth. And the Bay Area Ice Bears are tenth up from honorable mention. And the Hayward Co-op drops to honorable mention. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of movement on the girls' side. Um, nope, just the Warbirds and the Storm uh, swept, switched between three and four. And like you said, you know, that this could all be changing again next week. Um, looking on the boys' side, boy, talk about a little bit of pushing and shoving at the top. Yeah, Wasa West, uh, They it doesn't matter if either of them is having a down year. Their games with Eau Claire Memorial are always one-goal games. If they don't go into overtime, it's just a thing that happens. Uh, but they took that loss to Eau Claire Memorial 2-1 on home ice. Uh, so yeah, they dropped two from second to fourth, which moved Verona and Superior up, despite the fact that Verona uh, kind of got spanked by Wausau West the week before, 5-1. Um, but that's what happens. Uh, there's still four teams from the Big Rivers Conference, Hudson, Chippewa Falls, Eau Claire Memorial, and Eau Claire North, all sitting right at the bottom of the top ten or the honorable mentions. Um, that's a pretty impressive grouping for that conference. Absolutely. And Chippewa Falls has been got in there early in the season, and they're still holding holding strong there in the honorable mention. Not really been able to crack into the top ten and uh, move up anywhere at all. But um, as I was looking at this, I see USM is still number one. And uh, ran into Robbie Newton back last weekend here in Janesville. He come down to watch the Janesville Jets play as he's signed a tender with the Jets. And I'll you know, talk a little bit about his season, and he's pretty excited about their chances this year. And uh, with the offense and the good playing goal they've got, uh, USM is, you know, they're going to be hard to beat down the stretch, but uh, still a long ways to go. And we'll see how all that all shakes down is uh, – sectionals and playoffs are what would you say about three four weeks away something like that something like that uh they'll be up in eagle river uh this weekend for the pines classic on friday they'll play hayward um and depending on how that game goes they'll play the winner or loser of uh northland pines and mozani uh they also play on friday and uh so that'll be played on saturday that could be a dandy of a game on saturday if they end up playing pines Next week's uh, games of the week, Trasher, you want to tell us about them? Uh, yeah, let me wake up first. I kind of fell asleep here. Next I week, we everybody weren't, was we going to talk. That, we weren't that boring. No, you, no, you know, you just didn't let me talk, so I thought, well, I'll just keep it on mutant and just sit here. But I knew I'd get my time. We had breaking right news. 
In the I'm middle, the one that put. In the, I put the score up. <laughs> I, I saw the tweets. I you know I get the notifications for the tweets, so I actually saw them while the game was going on. Yep. Did you say keep it on mutant? Yep. <clears throat> okay. I did. Go ahead. We'll was see. there more more breaking news? Or was that the breaking news? That was it. Oh, okay. All right. Next week's game of the week on the girls' side will be the aforementioned Central Wisconsin Storm. They will travel down to Madison Ice Arena and take on the Metro Lynx on Saturday. Dell will be covering that game. And that's going to be uh, for a special cause, a Leukemia Lymphoma Society game for Noah Sanger, who is the son of former UW assistant coach Jeff Sanger. Now, one of the players from the Metro Lynx, Ava Jambor, kind of set that all up. She's friends of the Sanger family, and uh, so they're going to have the benefit, and they're going to have raffles. There's going to be sales of, I believe, bracelets and other type of jewelry that uh, one of the girls down there makes. For It's all for a really good cause, uh, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society game, and that'll take place at the Madison Ice Arena at about 2.30, I believe the face-off is. On the boys' side, um, I will be at that one, Arrowhead at Fond du Lac at the Fond du Lac Blue Line Ice Center, Saturday at 7 p.m. And that's going to be, it's called the JM21 Remembrance Game, and it's in memory of Jeff Merrill, who died in a Fond du Lac hockey game in January of 1989. Um, A little story behind that all is that he was playing in the game. He was a sophomore. He was playing, and he got checked. And as he was going down, one of his own teammates tragically shot the puck, and it hit him in the chest, kind of underneath the pads. The pads kind of rolled up a little bit and basically just kind of stopped his heart. And they they tried to resuscitate him, and he died right on the ice. So um, pretty tough I can't imagine, you know. Uh, so the JM21 Remembrance game will be held Saturday, 7 p.m. at the Fond du Lac Boys Ice Center, and I'll be covering that one. So a uh, couple of good games that we have uh, for very good causes. We like to really kind of feature those games, and we think these will be two really good ones. And uh, if you get a chance, try to get out to see them. be well worth it. Okay, Michael, we'll uh, look forward to uh, reports on both those games. You and Dell are going to be covering those games. And uh, good uh, – go ahead, go ahead, Bill. Okay, uh, it, it's, not a, it's not a game of the week, but uh, should um, University School and Northland Pines both win on Friday, uh, Bill Jr. and I will be making the trek back up to Eager Liver for the uh, – just on the event that Pines and University School play each other in the championship game of, of that tournament. Well, that's that's an interesting tournament because they go up there every year. USM does. And in fact, the year that they uh, won the state championship in 06, um, the only loss they had was to Northland Pines in the Northland Pines Classic, in the Pines Classic. And the one thing that was always talked about was how small the neutral zone is there. Burglar, you've been there many times, and I'm sure you can attest to that as well. 
three strides. That's it. <laughs> All right, maybe four. Depends depends on how long your legs are. Yeah, it's very tight. You know the the the, the face-off circle they have, you know, around the center ice face-off circle. Mhm. It practically touches the blue lines. Oh boy. Yeah, that's not much room at all, but um, that should well, be an interesting matchup. If our if our Sunday men's league is is anything to base it on, uh, getting rid of the neutral zone would probably just make hockey better all around. Offensive zone, defensive zone, that whole transition area in the middle of the ice is just where people screw up. So just get rid of that. It's probably safe all around. So MJ, you've made one trip to the dome, haven't you? Yeah, just once. Okay. A couple of years ago, I was finally able to cross that off my Wisconsin hockey uh, um, bucket list, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's uh, it's it's an old throwback. It'd be, for example, like baseball. You know, it would be like one of the older stadiums. Well, speaking of that, um, they need a new refrigeration system. For their rink, uh, their refrigeration system, the the flooring, the the concrete floor with all the coils in there, uh, that's 50 years old, and the whole thing has to be replaced. They're estimating uh, 1.5 million dollars they need for repairs. Uh, so, uh, save the dome. Send your checks to what was the site they had set up for that bill? GoFundMe.com/slash/save-the-dome. Or did they not? Probably ERA, right? Eagle River Recreation Association. Yeah, if, you, if you go to the ERA website, the ERRA.com, uh, they actually have a link to their GoFundMe page, gofundme.com slash save the dome. It is a national treasure. So all you big businesses that are listening to our podcast, you, you're looking for a place for a tax write-off, send it to the dome. Save the dome. Don't let it fall like the Metrodome did with the snow all caving in. Well, don't compare the Dome and Eagle River to that dump. No. <laughs> and the, the only other thing that could happen here is that, uh, you know, if, if the temperature on Saturdays, like they say, if it's going to be like 15 below, uh, that rink is, is, is cold enough anyway that, you know, we, we may just chicken out and, Go to KB Willard and watch Verona and Smash because <laughs> it'll be much warmer. You, you know, after we were talking about the dome, that brings up my, a quick question for me. The dome to me was, you know, probably the biggest rink that I wanted to be able to see, you know, through the, uh, the hockey rinks here in the state. What would be your top five in hockey rinks in the state, guys? The dome would be one of mine. That's the only one with any real history, like for me that I know of it at all. Like I don't know how long has Superior been playing in their rink? Did they build a new one at some point? Well, that they actually play at Westman Arena, which is the University of Wisconsin Superior's rink, and that's been there since when when the heck was I in junior high school? Uh, it's been around since maybe nineteen seventy. It's just, yeah, I don't know that there's a lot of historic rinks out there. I mean, what makes the dome different is, I mean, that's a wooden dome. Um, there are not a lot of those out there. 
it's 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 unique no. in that way and you know there's other you know other quirks and things about it but yeah i mean it's been there since 1925 I mean, it's been renovated a couple of times but i mean that's a long time i don't know yeah, that there's, my, my... i don't know that there's any other rinks in wisconsin that i would be like i gotta go see that place yeah, my, my 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 second favorite rink then to go to would be actually not in Wisconsin, but up in Eveleth, Minnesota, and the the Hippodrome, which is also an old old rink. I would like to, to go to the rink in Mozanie to see if they ever put in walls. They did. Okay, because when I was a kid, there was just a tarp behind the benches, and it was cold. So you know, I'd like to go see the well, walls. Well, Lloyd still has that. And I'll tell you this uh, this week if they I don't know if they have any home games this week, but boy that ice is going to be good down there. But you're going to play down there at a price because it's going to be cold. I mean they got heaters above the bench. You you can't stand up on the back part of the bench or anything because the heaters are down that low. But uh, yeah, that wind comes through those tarps and holy smokes, it gets cold in there. Same thing used to be with the old Tomo rink, I remember. Um, the one there on the fairgrounds, um, that one was another one that was cold. The wind coming through there was made things rather chilly. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's really a whole lot of them that you want to say, God, I got to go see that. The dome, the dome was one I finally got to go see, and it was everything you guys said it would be. One that I would find interesting, though, would be down here in Madison, you know, Madison Ice Arena and uh, Hartmeyer, just for the simple fact of all the, you know, the good Madison schools that went through here. I mean, Mark Johnson and uh, Bob Suter played against each other in these rinks. I mean, back in the day, I mean, this, you know, there may be a little well, bit of history to those two. I mean, that that's that's like saying that, you know, Milwaukee County Stadium was a great baseball park because, you know, Robin Yount played there. I mean, Milwaukee County Stadium was a dump. By the time they ripped it down, yes, it was. Well, Hartmeyer, that's where the 1980 Olympic team actually did a little bit of their practices. Um, but, you know, they had, for a long time, they actually had the Olympic flag hanging up in there. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I was just curious if there's any other rinks. I've I, I been to the Dome up there in Eagle River a couple different times for youth games, not for any high school games. But, um. So I guess with that, Andrew, you're about ready to go on to our next segment, huh? I'm sorry, what was that, Del? <laughs> I said, I guess you're about ready to go on to our next segment here, huh? Yeah, I'm ready to go on to our next segment's final thoughts. And um, Trasher's got some stuff that he wants to talk about. And uh, Del, I see your name in down there, too. You got something that's bothering you? Yeah, I want to talk a little, little bit about officiating. Okay, you can do that after Trasher talks about his two subjects that are dear to his heart. Michael, go ahead. I won't be too long, believe it or not. My final thoughts uh, are one that I had been talking about practically the last three or four weeks is the Hobie Baker Character Award. The deadline for that is February 4th. So coaches, if you're listening, make sure you get your worthwhile senior in. This is a best kid award, not a best player award. Parents, uh, get on the coaches, make sure that one of your kids gets nominated because we should have 100% participation in this. Um, the other one I want to talk about is the Jeff Sauer Award. And uh, this is 
designed to encourage community service among girls and boys. Doesn't sound like I'm reading this off a piece of paper. Uh, high school hockey players in Wisconsin. It is named after Jeff Sauer, the legendary former UW coach and hockey ambassador who died in February 2017. The award's goal is to recognize good high school hockey players being great people. It will be awarded by current UW coach Tony Granado on the eve of the WIAA state tournament. That'll be on Wednesday night before the state tournament. Uh, please submit your nominations by January 31st. So this is the same deal. Uh, coaches, if you're listening, make sure to nominate one of your kids that, that is a, a great person as well as a good hockey player. Uh, last year, Shane Ryan, a senior goaltender from Madison Edgewood, was the first recipient recipient of the award. And this is another one uh, between this one and the Hobie Baker Character Award. Two really good pieces of information to have on a college resume. So uh, make sure you get, uh, get some kids nominated for those two very worthwhile awards. And with that, I will pass it over to Dell. Thanks, Treasure. And actually, uh, the officiating I want to talk about, I'm not complaining about the officials. My thing is, is, you know, we're still need to remember, we're talking sports going on here at the high school level and even beyond that at the youth level. Anybody that watched the NFL playoffs this weekend saw what happens at the highest level of the officiating. Blown calls, mistakes are made. You saw the, you, for those that watched it, saw a pass interference call that wasn't made that could very possibly cost the team a chance of going to the Super Bowl. Uh, in the other game, there was a roughing the passer call uh, for hitting uh, Brady in the head, and the replay showed that it never came close to, didn't come close to hitting him in the head, hit him on the sh shoulder and on the arm. But the thing is, if mistakes are being made at that level, and now we're going to drop it down to the college, high school, youth levels. Mistakes are going to be made. These are human beings. They cannot see everything. They're actually looking at something that they might be three feet away from and don't get as big a wide view of the, what you're seeing from the stands or, or even for the coaches on the bench. And the coaches have been pre pretty well this year at the games I've been at keeping it things, you know, going and setting good examples for their players as to how to treat the coaches. Where I want to raise my concern is fans need to understand and never, ever confront a referee after a game. This, you're setting an example for your children. This is a game where they're supposed to be learning teamwork and everything and respect for the officiating and what's going on there. And for somebody to confront a referee as he's coming off the ice or after a game is just unacceptable all around. What I'm asking parents to do is to remember to keep the games fun for their kids and treat the referees with respect and understand that mistakes are going to be made. Nobody's perfect here. And with that, I'm going to toss it back over to MJ. Do you want my rebuttal on the whole thing? Go ahead. What, what you're saying there? No, Dell, I, I totally agree, um, especially at the youth level. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, that's why kids, you know, kids a lot of times they get into it, you know, yeah, I want to make, you know, a couple extra bucks and stuff like that, and, you know, that, that's fine. But 
so many of them get out because they just don't, you know, they don't want to be yelled at all the time. I mean, yeah, they're human. I mean, even at the North American Hockey Hockey League level that we have here in town, um, referees get rode pretty hard about stuff. And one of the things I always remind myself of, this is also a development league for them. So they want to go higher. You know, they're going to make mistakes. It, it's going to happen. So, you know, not say you got to hug your ref or anything, your local ref, but, you know, they they try. They try to do their best, and, uh, you know, things don't always get called. Dell, excellent topic. And, and I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity to, to apologize to the referee up in Eagle River for my earlier comments on the evening uh, questioning his uh, penalty call. I don't. I demand perfection. <laughs> no, the problem is that, and this is true of all youth sports at every level, is that the parents in the stands need to shut up. This goes for us in the stands when, I mean, you've had kids come up through sports. MJ, you've got a kid playing for a high school team right now. Trasher's right. daughter graduated a few years ago. We've been parents in the stands. Parents in stands need to shut up. The only thing that should come out of your mouth when you're in the stands is, yay! You should be cheering. At no point should you be yelling at an official. At no point should you be yelling at a player. At no point should you be yelling at a coach. You cheer, you clap, or you shut your mouth. Sorry. I'm sorry if I'm sound a little salty about it, but the biggest (laughs) problem with youth sports nationwide, regardless of sport, is the parents. Well, you're starting to sound more and more like Dad. Well, you know, once you sit in the stands at a hockey game or two, you start hearing people say stuff, and you're like, just shut up. Mm -hmm. I will make one addition to that. The only player that you can yell at is your own kid. No, No. don't yell at your kid. You can't yell at your kid, unless it's encouragement. Especially don't yell at your kid. My common refrain was, Bubbles, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's it. That's it. And, and, you know, the thing is, I I will admit, as a parent, I was guilty at times at yelling about things. And, you know, it was what I thought was a missed call. But, you know, having been a parent of a referee, having officiated high school football games, I can understand there's the mistakes that can be made. And having coached, the one thing I used to try to remind my parents was you know let me be the bad guy the one that has criticized your player because i while i try to end all my practices on positive notes with everybody if it ever came to the point that i didn't do do it i asked the parents to let me be the bad ones the bad guy you know let me be the one that was telling them what they're doing wrong let them do all the encouragement and, and everything just in case i didn't end the note on a positive thing but you know the parents need to really encourage the kids because sometimes, you know, the last the thing that sticks in the kid's head is the pl- coach having come across saying, you know, okay, you got to be in this position, and then we, we don't always come back and say, say, yeah, you did that great, you know, after we've done that and everything. And that's one reason that, you know, the parents have got to be, you know, the positive person, okay, under, this, you know, and maybe even if it's just saying, okay, well, this is what the coach actually meant, meant, you know, do what the coach is telling you to do, 
but you know he's he's just trying to get you there you know just be positive with them and so that they they learn and, and understand that the coaches are trying trying to you know get them to play their best and it, put him in the best position to succeed well uh bill jr played goalie for what four years yeah three or four years, four years. and and yes and his his mother you know yelling encouragement from the stands and her and I think half of the parents, I think the most common uh, phrase from them was Billy, get up. <laughs> that was one of Lori's he, about me. He would, he would, well, he, he would drop, he would drop down to cover the puck and he, he would say, Billy, get up. <laughs> yeah. But I've yeah. always maintained my, my, my favorite team. I've said this before, my favorite team to coach. Would be a team from a well-funded orphanage. <laughs> uh, I hope you're not going to take credit for that. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, seriously though. Going back to what I said before, um, yeah, we kind of, you know, as goalie parents, you know how it is. Sometimes you're like, oh man, how'd you let that one go through? But I told Emily two things before the game. I said, play hard and have fun. And I think if more parents would have that attitude, the sport would be a lot better. And especially if they would respect the officials, respect their decisions. And like Dell said, understand that they're human. They make mistakes. I mean, we make mistakes. How'd you like somebody to sit by your desk in your office and every time you screwed up, give you an earful? I mean, you wouldn't like it. So go easy on the refs. Uh, parents, uh, be positive for your players and make it a better sport for everybody. And I don't, Guys, that's mean, all I don't, I, got. I don't want it to you, sound like I, I hate all the parents all the time. It's just that when you start yelling like that, it doesn't help. You know, if the, if the official blows a call and you start shouting, it doesn't help. When has it ever helped? It's not going to make the situation better. It only ever makes the situation worse. Positivity. Sometimes it, sometimes it helps you get an early exit to the of the rink. Because that referee has the right to say, you, out. You know, if, if uh, the parent is too obnoxious or, you know, too offensive or whatever the case may be. I've More than once I've watched a few parents get booted out of the rink. But, you know, one of the other things that I also learned um, when I first started covering hockey 20 years ago, once I started learning more about the game, I found out there was less that, you know, really didn't need to complain about, maybe understood it a little bit more. So sometimes maybe it's just a point of just learning more about the game and the rules and things like that. And, you know, Are you, you saying can enjoy the, lo- it more. the loudest ones know the least about the game? Sometimes, yes. Quite often, yes. Hockey's got to be a tough game to follow for a, a parent who's never played and their kid wants to play. I mean, that's got to be tough. Like, everybody knows how to play baseball. This is you know, America, that's a thing. But, you know, you go to a hockey game and, yeah, if you never played and you never really followed hockey and then your kid's like, I want to play hockey, and, yeah, you're you're not the person who should be shouting stuff from the stands because you have no idea what's going on. At that point, you know, when the kids start getting into learn to play, you eat, eat, learn to play, there also should be a learn, learn the hockey, a hockey 101 for parents at that point. Hockey for Dummies book is out there. Yeah, but then I had it. then they would I be then they'd be shouting at their mites and squirts. Why aren't you cycling? 
Well, what's kind of funny about that, talking about the, the newbie parents, the first year, they pretty much say, oh, I don't really know much about the game, but by year three, they're the biggest experts out there. So, you know, they, they learn fast or they think they do. It's it's a tough game. I mean, I've been following it since my, you know, I actually didn't start following hockey till my son started playing back in the mid-90s, only like 25 years, and I still don't know everything about the game. There's all these nuances. It's it's a tough game to figure out, you know, and if you say you know all of it, your name is probably Mark Johnson or somebody like that, you know. The average guy doesn't know everything, and so don't think you do. Well, the funny part about, about it is, is I went a few years ago uh, and watched my nephew playing a youth hockey game, and all I watched this team killing off the penalty, and I watched them ice the puck, and I all of a sudden I hear the whistle blow and everything else, and I'm standing there, and I actually asked one of the other parents, okay, why are they bringing the puck back? Well, at that point, they had changed the rules since my kids had played youth, youth hockey where you can't ice the puck when you're killing the penalty. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, they just <laughs> so, changed that a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was something different for me to have to get used to watching youth hockey. And what? And when you get to uh, high school, what are you trained to do when you're killing off a penalty? Ice the puck. Send it all the way down. And if you're in, in that situation in youth hockey, what do you got to do? You got to suck it up and get it out to the neutral zone, I guess. Or don't ice it all the way down. Burglar, this is where you're supposed to uh, tell me that I'm wrong about that. I would never do that, MJ. Not to you. <laughs> All right, boys. Think we had enough for one night? I think so. Okay. All right. Great topic, Dell. Good job. So uh, for Dell, the two Bergs, Trasher, I'm Mike Hammett. Hey, we'll catch you next week. Hope you enjoyed this edition. You got any thoughts or comments? Uh, Send them to Trasher. He loves them. You've been listening to This Week in Wisconsin Prep Hockey.